I had a very Amsterdam problem where uh, my, well, okay, so my daughter Alejandra, she's got, you know, a kid bike. And over time, what happens is when she's pedaling, she she bends the key that goes in her, her I forget what they call it, it's a U-lock. We don't have these kind of locks in America, but if you imagine the back wheel and you you screw on this lock thing and then there's a big metal bar that you can push down that goes through the wheel and connects to it, right? So basically the wheel doesn't work anymore. It's just like a big circle, if, if you imagine. It's, I'll have to find a picture of it, but this is like, this is like a very Dutch lock. Uh, every, every single bike has this lock. Um, and I, I was thinking this morning, I think you can tell that you're buying a stolen bike if it doesn't have a lock or it has a brand new lock on it. And so I was thinking through all the bikes that we've purchased and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that one was stolen and that other one was probably stolen, right? Because like mm-hmm. you, anyways, so it's like on every single bike. Now, so her, the key sticks out because you put the key in it and the key sticks in there while you're biking. Uh, and then so when you lock it, you can pull the key out, right? Which is actually, it's, a, it's I mean, this lock, there's a lot to say about this lock, but it is very ingeniously designed, right? Because it's it it shows you how fit into just the the daily life routine biking is in the Netherlands where um, you're going to take your key and it's probably your keychain thing and you're not going to be using your keys while you're biking. So you might as well have it stuck in the bike and it's going to stay there. And then you bike around and then when you're done, you need your keys. So you unlock the bike and then you have your keys back. Right. So consequently, you do see people who just have their whole keychain stuck into this thing. Right. With their, you know, Albert Hein discount card and things like that. So anyways, the key sticks out there. But because of her height and the bike's a little short, like her her uh, uh, her. Uh, what do you call that? Her heel hits it every now and then, and slowly the key gets bent. And so usually I have to go in there and bend the key so it's straight. Uh, but this time, she couldn't get it out, and I was trying to bend the key, and it broke off in, in, the, uh, in the lock there. And I managed to, like, stick my knife in there and turn it anyways and stuff like that. But then I gave her, uh, I gave her uh, a combination uh, chain that we have. You know, it's got a built-in combination lock, which is very rare in the Netherlands. People don't really use that. They use key locks. Uh, I think I covered several years ago when I moved here, I, I asked the, uh, the, the lock guy I was buying a, uh, a, 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 a chain from, I said, how come people don't use combination locks? And he was like, uh, it's as if this, he had never contemplated that question. <laughs> and, and the only thing he said is like, uh, I guess people are afraid someone might figure it out just walk by it and guess every day. And I just kind of laughed and walked away and I was like, yeah, I don't think they're going to try like 300 day, 300 to 1000 days. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like that's, it's sort of like, just like with any luck, what they'll do is bring some bolt cutters and then take your shit. Right. Like there's no, anyways, there's nothing complicated about it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Anyway. So, but then I forgot to tell her the combination. Uh, so I was a little worried how she's going to get home, but she hopped on the back of my son's bike and apparently she, her butt was hurting from riding on the back of his bike. Cause he doesn't have a, a pad up there, uh, on the, you know, the rack on the back. And, uh, she got dropped off in the park and walked the rest of the way home. And so, I think, thankfully, since we're recording a podcast, I bet she came home and was going to yell at me about why did I do this and why why did I do that and maybe stomp her feet and throw things around. Uh, but now she'll probably be cool and she'll just say she'll roll her eyes at me and uh, that that'll be that. Software Defined Talk is brought to you by Teleport. 
Every hack follows the same problem. First, hackers exploit a human error, like a leak key or a secret left in code. They gain a foothold and then pivot, moving from one compromised system to the next. Sound familiar? Teleport breaks this cycle. Open source teleport gives every engineer, every piece of hardware, every application an identity. Replacing secrets like password and keys with auto-expiring identity-based certificates, the teleport platform reduces the opportunity for human error, increasing productivity, and revolutionizing security and compliance. Learn why the most valuable visionary businesses in the world choose teleport at goteleport.com. And of course, we thank teleport for sponsoring our show. You must have some thoughts on this, Brandon. Like what is, what is your advice? Let's do a little advice segment here. Do I need to go corporate managed on my personal device or just put up with the annoyance by not having it be corporate managed? I just feel like Here's my concern is I just feel like I, I, I know they say nothing bad is going to happen. And, I'm, and, and I'm, that's probably true. But then what if Elon Musk buys our company? <laughs> like, is, isn't the first thing he's going to bring his uh, he's going to bring his SpaceX people in and they're just going to like immediately like download all of our phones, personal data and browser history and text messages and like, you know, run it on his like William Gibsonian satellite farm somewhere. Like I feel like and then and then and then we'll 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 like have some sort of like lawsuit against it and he'll just be like, Yeah, I eat this shit for breakfast. See you on Mars, motherfucker. Right? Like <laughs> it it doesn't seem like you ever want to like just like sign over a corporation to like, you know, have your stuff. And yet I guess I happily do it with Apple. But like I, I don't know. It's, yeah, it but that's different. Like, like you, there, you are paying in the relationship with Apple in most cases, right? You are paying for, um, you know, you are the consumer; they are the provider, and so they their interests are aligned with you. What I mean, saying, you know, it's like right, I'm using right. iMessage. They they told me it's secret, and there's no like you haven't signed any additional agreement. They're not paying you to do work, and therefore they have you know rights to see all your messages. So I do think. I mean, I guess my own personal philosophy on this is like I. I kind of have like, a, I mean, it's a probably more complicated than it needs to be, but it's sort of like at this point, like I buy my own phone and iPhone, right? Default slice stuff. So I buy that and I pay for that service like myself, just like I don't expense it and things like that because that's, um, that's, I just want my world separate from a corporate yeah, world yeah. because my phone just has like, I mean, like everyone's phone, it has everything. I mean, it just everything. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it's not like there's anything super secret, but it's like, it is my like, entire private life you know is like contained within it so i don't i would prefer to just buy that and own that and then the company you know it doesn't happen as much anymore because there's so much on like virtual stuff but like if someone wants to call me it's fine they i just you know i'll take the phone call it's not like oh i need you to have a call my corporate number um and then i will make case by case decisions around like if the corporation allows me to install apps on the phone right i'll kind of like you know size up what the app does what the value of it is versus you know so i won't i won't just like take the phone and make and put all the corporate stuff on there right i'd be like ah eh, yeah i don't yeah. know if i really need that i can find some other way to do it like if i have a laptop with me or something like to check email like that's a big thing too it's sort of like and also too keeping some of the corporate stuff sort of like keeps your life divided so that's one thing yeah, I, yeah. I do yeah. and then on the computer side i don't know it's, it's like a super it's more complicated but i think you know most companies like there's always the corporate issued computer. And I think it's always important to have that and have that hundred percent pristine, leave it just 
used for corporation stuff, right? And that mm. that is the, the company's sanctioned way to interact with the company, right? There's that. And then now, of course, they pick all the tools and they manage it. But then I usually will also have my own personal computing set up that I have the tools that I want. And then most companies today are now utilizing something in the cloud. So you can like get the files that you want, you know, and interact right, and right, like, right, right. and have them secured through the corporate structure of like whatever it is, Dropbox or OneBox or, um, you know, Microsoft. And then, you know, maybe I'll work on that, but there's a little bit of bleeding there where it's like, I want to use the tools and the computing setup that I'm used to. I know the company doesn't want to provide that to me necessarily, but I'll just kind of use the the file share, right? But then sometimes if I realize the company wants me to like log into a certain thing, a certain way in a VPN, right, then I'll go use my corporate device for that. But it's kind of minimal, right? It's sort of like, oh, I got it if I need it, but I sort of want to work the way that I want to work. So kind of like different varying degrees of like making myself productive and also keeping control of the stuff that is important to me. And then, of course, yeah, like whatever uh, and on any corporate device, like I totally get it. It's like they've given it to me. Anything you put on there is fair game. So I try to like I do my best to like you know, just leave it, make it 100% corporate, wherever possible. Like we all well, have that the, makes sense for the for moment, the, for, right? So for a company issued device, you can have, have it be managed. But I think it's like, maybe the thing about it is like kind of, it's a little bit of bring your own device kind of stuff. Like most companies have some, something they'll let you do. So it's like, you know, bring your own PC and just interact with stuff just like your phone. Right. But then, you know, like that's kind of the gray area, but I like to have those things set up because then I can just have everything that I want just on the, you know, on my setup, right? Because I don't know how many yeah, times yeah. where it's like, I want to use this. I want to edit an image. I know you're not going to buy me the image editing software I want. I already have it. I just going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to use what I want to use or the recording software or whatever, right? Or microphones and, and things like that. So it's like, I think this is part of life. Now, I know different corporate IT people would be like, you know, a, a, secu- a very draconian security is like, no, you can only use this device. Anything you touch outside of that is now becomes ours because you're working on a different device. It's like, no, that's just not the way it works. I don't see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Security is like one of those things you can't really like, uh, you know, say is going too crazy because then people will be like, Oh, but what if this, and what if that? And it's just like, I, I mean, I have to imagine that the, uh, you know, the ROI spreadsheets for like security vendors are just like full of craziness, right? You like, like, cause it's, it's, it's like, uh, I, w- I was writing this somewhere the other day that like, it's already, I, I was thinking about like cloud finance management and like, it's one thing to just like reduce costs and try to get the cheapest option. But then it's also like, how do you put a value on some IT things? And it's, and also like the more commodity, some IT services, the harder it is to value. Like, well, what's the business case for scheduling meetings? Like, like, is like. <laughs> Sure, you can compare and contrast Office 365 and Google Suite and, you know, other email things, and you can kind of get the cheapest one. But, like, never mind the cheapest one. Like, what if we don't have it at all? Like, what does that number look like? Like, like, and it's obvious the way that, that companies work nowadays. If you didn't have email and scheduling, the company wouldn't function. And so, like, where does that fit in the spreadsheet? <laughs> like, how how do you... Like in, in this, and it's, it's, it was making me think of security because security is the same way. It's just like, well, what if evil people got all of our data and, and you can't just be like, oh, I don't know. That's worth like $500 million. Right. And they'll be like, no, the entire company burns down. Right. In the same way that like, if, if we, if we wanted to save some money, we could just like not have email and calendaring and probably save a lot of money and also have some security fixes. But like, then the entire company would burn down. So there's, there's almost like, 
there's no ROI on email and security. It's just sort of like you need it, <laughs> right? And like, I don't know. That, that's, that's where a lot of security stuff gets frustrating because you can't really make the case that like, yeah, we're more secure, but now it sucks, right? Like it's, it's like, I don't, it's, it's very frustrating as an end user. Like I, I maybe even even like a a different version of this is everyone's favorite concur or expense management. You can probably figure out the ROI on not making that a better experience, right? Like like you can be like if filing expenses was actually easy and quick, uh, and it worked out well. One, we wouldn't reject so many expenses, and people wouldn't get expensing fatigue. So they would either just not expense things, or they would not buy things. So we would end up spending more money. And then two, you know, if we have a better uh, user experience for expensing, one, we're going to have to pay all the money to cut over to that. And that's probably going to be a one to two year program. Uh, and we have to recertify and recompliance everything. And then two, I bet the ROI for this new thing is that it made people more productive so that they could charge a premium uh, instead of the amount that our, our other people were paying, right? Like, and And so like, you know, you could probably can make a spreadsheet if you're like uh, the existing incumbent expense people that you are helping people make money. However, you could also say like, well, what if we didn't have an expensing system and people couldn't buy anything? Uh, what's the ROI? What's the ROI in letting people buy stuff? I mean, there's there's two things thinking about ta- this week that I, I was hoping you could help me sort out. One of them, I think I've got it sorted out. Uh, is you know the usual thing with this is this is in the. Uh, Share price equals story times revenue or whatever uh, corner. And <laughs> valuation, right? So mm-hmm. I want I want to have just a Brandon concise to the point ruling. Uh, so is the public cloud business shrinking or or not? What's going on there? Well, I think the consensus of all of this is that it has it is growing slower than previous quarters for the most part. Amazon, Google, and uh, Microsoft all grew at a slightly slower rate. Usually they're off by like, you know, one or 2% um, from the previous years. And so the reason that matters is that for the most part, I mean, we probably go back in time and like find the initial um, earnings that originally came out. There was probably when all this stuff got started, I'm sure the growth rates sort of like took a while to settle in. But for the most part, everything has been increasing their growth rates year over year for a long time. Right. Mm. But now we're in this situation that everyone is talking about some type of economic decline, potential recession, things like that. And as an indicator of that, for the most part, all of the major hyperscalers are growing slightly slower. Now the, you know, it's always this weird thing these businesses are still growing at a very high rate. So we just looked at it like an absolute term. And I was just like, Hey, wouldn't you like to have a $80 billion business growing at, you know, high double digits over your, you'd be like, yeah, that sounds like fantastic. But if you compare it to the relative growth rates before we're starting to see, you know, a little bit slower and, you know, now of course, you know, the real answer is nobody really knows, right? I mean, that's the honest answer. But the answer is like, we all know there'll be some type of economic uncertainty ahead. So people are buying less. But I think as a long-term trend, you know, it's kind of like investing in the stock market in general. It's like, this probably doesn't have like, you know, much long-term consequences. It just, we'll just look back on it and be like, oh, it grew a little bit less. But it's not like, 
now uh it's not like suddenly things you know start declining right like people are moving out of the cloud and you know we talked about that kind of thing and things like that so so it's more i just would say you can almost think of cloud spending is just a, you know, global economic indicator. Like, you know, you know, for us, it would be almost like, uh, um, what do they talk about? Like inflation and things like that. We can probably just look at this and just see, cause the numbers are so big now. It's just sort of like, are people still buying milk? You know, it's like consumer goods, right? It's just like, kind of gives you a global indicator. It's like, not like people are going to stop buying milk. It just gives you an indication of what people are doing. So, right, right. so I think it's sort of like the businesses are still good. They're not growing as fast, but they're still growing pretty pretty health in a healthy way none of the major three have changed amazon microsoft and google they're all in the same order so there isn't any changing there so i think it's just more like you know business as usual and hopefully this economic recession or if it is a recession will end you know relatively quickly for all of us so that we don't have to like you know be thinking about the negative stuff going forward so i you know you know from from reading through the little bit that we have, like it does seem like there's like a slight, you know, even the statements that they had, there's like a, a slight decrease in maybe there's less buying than people anticipated. Right. And there was some notes on like, uh, you know, uh, less h- hiring freezes and things like that, which, which yeah, I guess we kind of hear here and there it gets a little confusing, but I mean, as always, I feel like with, with these things, as you pointed out, it's sort of like, well, maybe the financial analysts should have like done some better work to forecast better. And like, you know, there's, there's this constant, uh, on the other hand, it's not like people will say like, Ooh, I don't like your forecast. We're going to do worse. But it's a, uh, it's a continuing frustration I always have of like, as you like to remind me that the share price is based on the future, not the present. Right. And, and I think uh, it's so probably you worth, you know, that. a common thing we talk about in the show is, you know, let's flip it around and be like, I think things haven't really changed and it's, there's no, you know, to me, there's no major action, but as we talk about all the time on the show about like, well, how much of the uh, existing IT infrastructure has moved to the public cloud, right? So we know the public cloud providers would like us to believe, you know, the story that they tell is it's everything's going to move, right? And it's going to, it's like X trillions of dollars. And this is where Jeff Bezos has that famous quote. It's like the AWS market um, opportunity is uncapped, right? It's just, it's almost like infinite, right? And so all of that helps tell the story of like, wow, like if it's $80 billion today, that $80 billion could be like several trillion in the future. But when we compare that with like, okay, well, let's just take a look at what happened. It's like, you're still growing, but you're not growing as fast. So maybe that is an indication that like, hey, not every, it isn't uncapped, you know? So if we're 10%, like we've been joking, like recently, everybody's just saying like, we've migrated 10% of the cloud, maybe maybe the upper bound is only 50%. Maybe it's only, you know what I mean? And maybe it's only 60%. And so um, that will play out over several years. So I think that's another important thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a shift in the growth rates that, that gets. Now, Now this is, this is a good, this pairs up well. There was also, there's been some commentary about the, uh, the like, like uh, Facebook or Meta or whatever. I actually ran into someone who works at uh, Facebook the other day. We didn't talk about he. They they introduced themselves as working at Meta, and it took me a little while to figure out what they were saying. <laughs> but like, that's where? fine. Huh? Yeah, but it, you know, this is another story. So so Ben Thompson had a uh, he wrote up a piece like uh, about about myths about why uh, Facebook stuff uh, has has been declining. Like it lost like is it is it that it lost 47 percent of value or it's at 47 percent of its previous value i it kind of doesn't matter <laughs> yeah well <laughs> right? i think like, it went from like almost a trillion dollars to like 
300 billion or something is something like right. that. So yeah, it's lost right. a lot of market cap. Mm-hmm. And and kind of like the discussion we were just having when you read through his charts, it looks like, well, see, seems okay. They still have increases and and things are going on and and like like so one going back to the the formula, like uh I don't know anything about this, but like probably the whole like metaverse thing isn't helping, right? Like that that seems like I don't know if I've encountered anyone except Ben Thompson, who will talk about how he's used it firsthand, and it's great, uh, who's like, yeah, that seems great. Good idea. I'm glad they're investing in that. But I think we should separate. Let's separate the two things here, because I think a lot of people have commented on whether the metaverse is good or bad. And it's like, I don't know if we're bringing anything to the table. But I think I've always come back to, because of that famous picture of meta facebook buying the sun campus and keeping the sun logo on the back as a reminder of like hey you know if you get complacent you know you you fail and it's like i just think of myself as like meta and sun different you know you can kind of do some kind of interesting comparison so let's just take the metaverse for a second and be like meta knows it, it meta is full of smart people who are thinking about the future they're like totally. we need to grow our revenue i'm going to i i don't know if this is controversial i'm going to say that there were a lot of people that were really smart at Sun Microsystems around, you know, 2000 that were like, we need to find new ways to make more money that are not tied to Spark, right? I think these were, that was a well-known problem with Inside Sun. Just like I think we need to build things other than the Facebook app and advertising and meta. Now, the question going forward, right, is like, because I think, I, I know that sounds like, of course that's the case, right? Like who would argue with that? But like, I think in retrospect, sometimes we go back and be like, the company that failed was stupid. They didn't see it coming. And I actually don't think that's the case. I think most of the time they see it coming, right? Now, the question in is like, what is the big bet that they want to make? Now, at Sun, one of the big bets was open source software. If you remember right before Sun, you know, several years went by, but kind of the last big thing it did was it acquired MySQL. It was like, hey, let's get into open source. This is the future. This is how we're going to grow outside of that and we were going to you know embrace open source linux and we're going to become slayers x86 and open slayers right so there were all these thoughts that at the time were like big huge initiatives and bets and people were like i think people kind of felt like maybe it's too slow or it wasn't the right bet but like people could see that you could judge that and be like this is what they're going to do now we know we can look back at sun and say none of those big initiatives led to replacing the growth of the spark uh, product line right uh, but still, they tried, and you know, it, it, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think that's what Meta, because they've renamed the company and their whole push into with Oculus and the Metaverse. That's what they're doing right now. And it, so it's just, you know, in time, we're going to look back on this and know it was either a complete waste of money, right, or he uh, he seeded the market for what went on to be the next, you know, trillion dollar uh, market cap for um, for Meta, right, and. You know, and I think this is one of those things where it's like looking back in history, and this is the part where I just come to, come to is like the corporate top down initiative because you need to grow. I feel like a lot of times it just doesn't it, it doesn't have a long history, a track record of being really successful because you could point mm-hmm. to like IBM Watson, right? Like we're going to reinvigorate IBM around really literally curing cancer or Amazon came out and said, Hey, we're going to change healthcare, right? Google came out with a bunch of different initiatives and they haven't taken off. So, you know, that's, I think the biggest reason to be skeptical is just to say, you're pushing this from the top down versus like, where did the success of Facebook originally came from? It sort of grew out of organic growth. And I think that's the biggest question going forward. And I think the same thing with like Solaris versus Linux, right. And things like that, like, 
Linux kind of grew out of organic growth. And, you know, you couldn't just be like, hey, use open Solaris, right? It's going to work. So that's, I think, you know, kind of back to ben, ben Thompson's argument is like, Facebook is still a really profitable company. They're making lots of money. They're investing in the future. You may not like it, but they're still making lots of money. But you could have said the same thing about Sun and many other companies along the way. And what you found out, though, was like, that was the high point, right? The high point was at this point, and then they just slowly decline over time, right? And I think that's exactly where Facebook finds itself. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, and and you bring up one of one of my uh, one of my favorite principles is that it's only stupid until it works, you right? Know, like you'll have to see if uh, if it pans out or not. And as 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 long term listeners know, the the uh, the 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 mystery of what happened to Sun is is one of my uh, ongoing pet projects that I'll never get to. And you know, the the other thing it, it makes me think is like. And I don't think this this doesn't necessarily apply to, to Sun, but but maybe counter to what all of your uh, your uh, you know your hacker news and uh, Y Combinator and you know Valley Tech Think would say is like you should make big bets, but you shouldn't tell anyone about it until it's successful, right? Like like you know Apple is kind of the the version of this where like they're probably well see and may, we don't even know, right? But like. They like they you don't really have a sense of like they don't really talk about things until they're ready to sell them. And, you know, maybe they have a car thing. Maybe they don't like if Apple all of a sudden was like, well, we are spending, you know, uh, I'm spending all my time focus as the CEO focusing on the uh, the the car business that we're going to be starting up. Like, who knows how that would go? That would just be bonkers. Uh, like you know especially if they were like yeah and we don't have one yet right <laughs> and and so like you know similarly and i guess they've been doing this for a while but it seems like you know if you're going to make some big uh, bet the company thing it's probably good to only talk about it once you've already won the bet like you know or to figure out how close you can get because then you're going to catch all of this flack about things and 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 you know in the best case so to speak when other things go wrong People will like blame your your distraction and stuff, and talk about how the the sizzle's gone and the culture's bad, and you know, there's plenty of other places you could move your money. Yeah, and but. I do think we could we could look at you know another way to approach this problem would be the old you know Clayton Christensen innovator's dilemma and, and I think an innovator solution. I think he would say something like, "Well, listen, fa- what Facebook should do is just run its profitable businesses as it's doing. It should return those profits to shareholders, right?" And go out and then those shareholders can go invest in a new company called Meta, right? And let that company kind of sit to the side and go out and try to build out its own thing, but completely separate from, you know, this other advertising based social media company, right? And so, and let it kind of live and die on its own, you know, timeline, right? Because you're right. And I think uh, all these corporate initiatives, um, and I think, you know, I just, Watson from IBM always jumps to mind. It's like, you know, the executives feel this need to launch something at the next conference, even though it isn't tangible, it doesn't have this bottom-up adoption, right? And after a while, once you do this once or twice, people start to really look at you as very skeptical, right? And that's sort of like, that's why you get like a site like Killed by Google or, you know, people sort of, you know, making jokes about the the vaporware and things along that, that line. So you got to be really, really careful. And I think you're right. And I think, Apple probably more so than most, you know, kind of gets this is like, we probably won't see a set of glasses from Apple until they like do something that we're pretty amazed by, right? Like I'm sure when they were playing with the iPhone internally and they were, you know, kind of showing it, they're like, we did it. Like they didn't have to explain it very much. Like, you know, I gave someone an iPhone. They were like, 
this is from the future. This is like 20 years from the future. I have nothing like this. I'm literally holding a, a Motorola Razor in my hand and I'm holding an iPhone and they like could not be more different. Right. And I think that's sort of the, you know, the best case environment is that's what you're doing. And so just telling me an iPhone may eventually show up in 10 years or rolling out a really kind of, you know, hard to use ugly headset, whether that be Google glass or Oculus, you know, it's just doesn't have the same effect. I think so when Apple does it, we all are going to expect it to be like, wow, this is fantastic. We didn't even, we weren't even sure we wanted it. Now we're going to pay you a thousand dollars for one of these. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as with all these, these, uh, you know, armchair strategy thinking here, like it's never like just one or the other all the time. It's just figuring out which way of thinking fits for the strategy that you have. And, and, you know, that as a prefix, prefix, prefix that to be in front of saying like, you know, maybe so, so, okay. So two, two cases of like, successful change in a corporation right like it's, of course there's microsoft and and apple and then there's also kind of amazon i don't know amazon always feels like a weird case but i don't maybe that bears thinking about how they pull off like doing a whole big bet thing or whatever and it it seems like like if, if back when when horace deju was, was the ben thompson of of the the world like you know he had this great chart that i've used many times that like shows the drop in uh, uh, end user device sales, like the shift from Microsoft from Wintel ones to like iPhones, just like it happens over like three years, just instantly. Right. It's crazy. Um, And like maybe the deal there is that like, so if kind of, I don't know, maybe like with metaverse stuff, if Apple had been talking like five years earlier that like we're doing this and here's an early prototype and we're doing that, kind of like revealing their plans then maybe the other companies would have been like, sounds good, we're doing that too, right? And mm-hmm. and they would have had a chance to be much more defensive and actually do things. Like, I, I don't know, I get the sense the BlackBerry, BlackBerry people would have just always been like, check out these idiots or, or something. <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, work, right? yeah. but you, you know, like Adobe was trying to be in that area. Microsoft was trying to be in that area. I mean, this is much later in it, but even Amazon was trying to be, everyone and Motorola, like they were all trying to do a phone. And then all of a sudden this phone comes out and and it's just like oh well okay i guess that's done and you know i mean it wasn't that simple whereas like again if if they had been signaling and talking about this forever then maybe it would have created uh uh you know competition yeah which... definitely opened some stuff but i think you know kind of back to your thing about like when should we be really evaluating strategy because i think you know it's armchair strategists and i think when your core business the the time that really matters is like when your core business comes under attack and starts to show some type of decline or weakness. That is the moment that ultimately is going to reveal the expertise of the management team, right? Mm, So the reason that we're talking about this right now is that Facebook's advertising, and we talked about this on previous episodes, through lots of reasons that have nothing to do with them. Apple changing, you know, the uh, privacy concerns, right? So that took $10 billion of revenue right out of their their, uh, top line revenue, right? And, And people are generally like, there's this general kind of uneasiness or uh, people kind of don't like the Facebook app like they once, once did. And you see this reflected in the stock market. You're seeing this huge drawdown because people don't believe. So now is the moment where we're like, it really matters, right? If Facebook is going to continue to have a huge valuation, it has to do something to kind of prove to the market, tell a story that we all believe in that's going to drive it up if that's the end goal. And because they're under attack, now is the time. Whereas, 
Amazon and Google, for the most part, still have these incredibly strong businesses and Apple, you know, throwing them in early that are not under attack, right? Google search is as strong now as it's been probably ever, right? And then 90% of the revenue, if not more, comes from search ads and YouTube ads. What would change would be like if tomorrow either search went away, if Google, imagine if, if Apple's like, we're banning Google search on the iPhone. Like, I know that's not going to happen, but I'm just saying hypothetically, it would be a huge drop in revenue. Like they would lose all of that overnight. And then people would start to ask questions like, what are they going to do? But as long as you still have this huge outlay of your current products are working, you can have rename yourself Alphabet and you can try all kinds of stuff. Like people think that's really smart and keep doing it, right? Because they just don't, because your core business is making so much money. And Microsoft, I think, is a good example. The Wintel business came under attack. They sort of, you know, righted the ship after a long period, like a little, you know, kind of found themselves in the woods with Nokia, but they got off that and they got on Azure. And now they seem as strong as ever, right? So that was really a big comeback story, I think. Mm. Um, And we'll see, like, will Facebook have a comeback story? But I'd say Amazon and Google to this date, they've never been tested. No one's touched their core businesses. So we'd have to wait and see, like, what would happen if, if, you know, if one day search comes under attack, it'll be interesting to see what Google does. Yeah, I, I forgot about that Nokia thing. That was kind of a big deal. But did, yeah. did, they, did they sell that back off? I forget what happened with that. Well, remember, they bought the phone business from Nokia and then they that became and the they, Windows phone. And eventually they just sort of like wrote all that that off right and, and there are some other ones like amazon i don't think their core business has ever come attack but we all remember the fire phone right they came out and they tried that didn't work facebook tried to phone didn't work but those were more i think them trying to get heads they still had really strong core businesses but i think yeah, yeah. going forward that's really what i'm watching that's what i think you know with all of this and the meta stuff and too and it's like you know you could at this point right like you you know there's another version of this where if you're Michael Zuckerberg, you can just declare yourself i have won right i have won this i've made a tremendous amount of money going to continue to appoint a new CEO. They're going to run the social media business. I'm going to become chairman of that. And I'm going to detach from that. I'm going to go invest in a whole new business that's not detached from mm. Facebook, right? Yeah, at yeah, all. You know, you know maybe, maybe this is this is another thing. And and like, I, I, I feel bad talking about it because I don't know enough. But like, it's, you know, it's it's a, a, a armchair strategist, like uh, uh, just like thought exercises. And that is, that is also like, it doesn't seem like there was any reason to be so dramatic about metaverse stuff because like no one cared. Right. And so like, until there was this whole switch over to it, it's not like the, the market and, and, and people were like hot and bothered about virtual reality stuff. It just like that desire did not exist at all. Right. And so like, like if the legs are false, so to speak. Right. And like, like you're, you're trying to generate all this interest in it. I, I, I guess, but then there's no interest. It's just sort of like, well, you can still keep doing that. Just don't talk about it, right? right? Like, like just keep working on it and working on it. And then one day, uh, maybe people will give a shit, right? Right, and, but I think and, you have to marry that with like, you're, I agree with you. I know what you're saying there, but I think you come back to like, if you're Mark Zuckerberg and the investment team is like, they feel the need to go to the stock market and be like, we have a plan. This is our plan to go in the future. We right, want right, to, right. we're going to, and like, we're going to, we're, I'm telling you, I need to invest you know, I don't know, upwards of like $20 billion in this, you're an investor in my company. So I'm telling you I'm doing this and then I'm going to show you what I'm doing along the way. And I want you to believe in that story and I want you to give us a high valuation. And it's like, didn't have to do that, right? You could have done it a a totally separate way. To your point, like I think going one step further would be like, hey, 
just run the social media company, start doing stock buybacks, be like, listen, this is a strong business. We're actually going to start buying back the stock, maybe even pay a dividend. That's why you should invest in this. And then they, you know, Mark Zuckerberg could certainly take all harvest this yeah, process yeah. profits and start it to the side. But that his goal, right, is like, no, no, I'm going to do all of this within the same corporate entity. Not unlike Sun, like I always think like the, you know, maybe the end of Sun was everybody at Sun and that that campus that Facebook has, they just literally got on uh what is it the 405 i can't remember the highway there but you know they got on it and then they just drove down to google most of them all got jobs at google and it was like wow look at all these i mean because i was like i remember going to sun up at there and i was like wow there's like some really cool technology inside of that area like people were doing all kinds of stuff and then eventually see a lot of that kind of like what became like google projects right like i know people don't even believe it there's a thing called like the sun grid right and i'm not i don't know exactly how it all worked and of course java and like so many of that that engineering expertise seemed to just make its way to google and then they're doing a lot with it and that's sort of like if you will it wasn't like a deliberate action by sun but that's kind of what happened right it was like oh google's yeah. like i can we we know how to make money on this technology and you know and maybe we'll see that shift happen again down the road all right well i think i think uh yeah, let's see what happens. As 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 we were saying earlier, it's only stupid until it works. And uh, if it doesn't work, it remains stupid. You uh, you start in the stupid box until you're successful, and uh, we'll we'll see how that pans out. Now, related, I mean, we can't we can't let the we're we're in an exciting time, Brandon, where where, <laughs> we where crazy stuff is happening with Twitter. Just like I I I was right before we recorded, I was like, I got to check the news to see if anything else has <laughs> happened. Right. I mean, it's almost. I, I got, you know, like it's, uh, uh, I know it's election season back in the States, midterm elections where the, uh, it's not presidential elections for people who don't live there. So, you know, it can be a depressing time where you feel like you need to check the news and see what's going on. <laughs> However, I think this is delightful, right? It's like, I, you know, I know there's, there's uh, 7,500 people at Twitter, right? Who are like probably not in a good place. I, I, you know, over my, my mini, my, 20 almost has it been 30 years Brandon how long have I been working I don't know over my quarter of a century of working like I've been in situations numerous times where you're just like ah fuck so there's those people I get it but you know from the outside it's just like boy this is like Christmas early just to see all this <laughs> drama happening right and I have to admit you know, I mean, with Twitter, I am, you know, it, it has been the source. Uh, I signed up in 2006, back when I was at Red Monk. They celebrated a 20-year anniversary recently, which is fun. And, I mean, I feel like Twitter probably was a huge component of my career and my current net worth, right? Now, I have the analytics, so I'm, I'm questioning if it's currently providing that value to me. In fact, the, uh, uh, the, vi the views on the videos I post there have kind of halved year over year, and it's not like I've done anything different. The content is still fantastic, Brandon. Of uh, course so, it is. So I don't know what's up with that. Like, I get a lot less, I get about half as many views as I used to. Uh, but, um, and boy, the CTAs and Twitter stuff, don't get me started on that. They're, they're not that great. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, it's just like, it's like crazy town over there, right? No. Like, and the best one, and it looks like this is corrected. Maybe this was a false rumor. I mean, I, 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 I'm like 90% don't believe this because it is so absurd that you would have to print out some code yeah, print out your to go do code, a code right? review. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, get a, get a fucking tablet, man, or a big yeah. screen. Like, I, was, I think that was, I was well-sourced reporting, at least at yeah, one point. Yeah. I think and, they and, walked it back pretty fast. I think it and, was and I like, think I think yeah. John Gruber also said that he knew people and they were printing things. And it's just like, <laughs> holy crap, like you don't print code. I mean, I, I kind of get it, but like, 
like the first problem, I mean, you're going to have all the problems that anyone who's who's like programmed for at least three years is going to tell you. Chief among them being like, well, less code is actually better. And I'm not I can't give you five blank sheets to show I have less code. So anyways, like that kind of stuff is just fantastic that 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 would even be contemplated. And then, of course, like parachuting in experts who have never looked at the code base. <laughs> equally good right it's yeah just i like, mean well that's like to me that is the the absolute uh you know yeah, yeah. as i, I mean, like it, to say cote that's like the chef kiss on yes, all of uh, yes. all of that this news is like yeah i mean we all know how easy it is to parachute in and like have someone start showing you fairly complicated source code and, like, and, and being able to comment on it with any yeah um, and, and i think i think i think smart. uh uh i don't know i mean you know the, the thing the other thing with with facebook and twitter is you have the whole uh ruining of culture and elections and stuff like that which is almost its own thing over there but it's kind of like the metaverse thing where it's like because you're in that you have that perception that brand thing to deal with it doesn't make things easier (laughs) right like so you know on the other hand if it was like if if like twitter actually had was currently in that that 2000s web 2.0 like la la land of awesomeness and it was providing like if for some reason like twitter and facebook had increased the the goodness of education globally by five to ten percent since their founding. I don't know how they would have done this, but whatever, you know, like <laughs> like or you know had had increased communication and all these things, then like maybe we would be more optimistic. I mean, on on the one hand, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into all of that, but like there is a certain thing of like, well, we forget how bad things were, uh, and so we it's it's kind of like the uh, we didn't meet progress expectations the progress <laughs> growth rate has declined this quarter right. and so this business is dead right mm-hmm. like we've only progressed five percent instead of ten percent so obviously mm-hmm. things aren't working anyhow you add all that together there and man it's just like uh i i can't get enough news about this brandon all right but i, I think, I think uh, let's just summarize it. i kind of feel like you know we'll be armchair strategists on this one too it's like yeah my my take on the whole thing is again millions of people have a take on like all the potential th- changes are they good or they're bad but let's at the macro level I would start with like by Musk buying Twitter it's the the range of possible outcomes of Twitter have significantly changed right because I think before yes. this it would just be Twitter is basically going to be what it's going to be status quo it'll maybe make a little bit of money make a, a little a small amount of money but the core product and you know, its trajectory will generally kind of stay within a well-confined area right but now i think the there is a reasonable chance it goes to zero now like some kind of change happens that you know all the advertisers leave and we as user base decide that we're just going to move on like i think that was not the possible before now i think it is possible i don't know exactly what it was i just think that's on the table even if it's unlikely it's now in our distribution graph it is possible and I think the other scenario around some type of reviving Vine followed by like creating a super app like on the like kind of like the ones they have in China um, and like kind of revolutionizing the interactions in, in social media. Like, again, not likely, but on the table, like something like that could potentially happen because yeah, yeah. you have some person up there that's going to be able to make huge changes because before like the bureaucracy of a company will almost prevent it from doing that so so like that to me is sort of like the polls you have both of those things but i still think if we're betting if you ask me to like you know it's almost like index fund mentality is like no like in the end the status quo is always the strongest bet right like people always want to come in 
and revolutionize a, a company that isn't necessarily doing well. And there's always this like, it starts with a listening, I guess in this case, it didn't start with a listening tour. It starts with lots of action, right? But then over time, you know, you just kind of see it's like, well, it's kind of just the same. So I still think the, the, the money I have is on like just the status quo. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. lots of things are tried, but for the most part, Twitter stays within the same valuation range, you know, kind of trends with the market and nothing, you know, necessarily radical happens, even though there will be millions of articles written about it well like like it's private now right so yeah. like we we have no idea and but i i think i think uh i i think i think you're 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 hitting on like we're bringing together all of these points here right and and i want to go back to the the refutation thing like it seems like here here's what i struggle with when thinking about the the twitter elon musk blah 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 whatever right i mean again clearly like it's a really asshole move to say you're going to fire a bunch of people right off the bat. Like we all know it's going to be business as usual until, you know, you get a meeting on your schedule from someone in HR you've never heard of, right? But you want to <laughs> roll this along, right? Yep. Like you, you, you don't just go in with a sink or whatever. Uh, and so like, so, and then you add to that the whole like, uh, you know, Twitter is destroying society uh, sort of thing. And, instantly you just one just assumes even even i that like it's just a chaos agent that's doing dumb stuff that's going to go nuts right now on the other hand like like if you can pull away from that uh that that sort of like brand like you're sort of like well if it seems like what you have here is the chance to as you were saying like we don't want to make big bets or as we're talking about here we don't want to make big bets that distract from the cash cows and things like that and instead, what you want to do is you just want to kind of like incrementally try to make things better. And if there's any tech, like, you know, uh, Fang style tech business out there, although I guess Twitter is not in Fang, you can just look at the letters there, which is exciting. But, you know, whatever, that, that kind of uh, Galloway tech company, we'll call it. Uh, like, it seems like incremental improvements that you could probably ship every two weeks would like have a huge amount of leverage in Twitter's business, right? Like I forget who had pointed this out, but you know, they bought like, like Git review a while ago and they haven't done anything with it. And like, that's apparently a business. People will pay for that stuff, right? Like it, it took them until recently to, I mean, you could just add in all these little features and just like with the metaverse, you don't have to go in and be like, Brah! you could just be like oh yeah we introduced this thing and uh and then yeah so i mean the question is like what thing. operational you know kind of basic operational improvements can you obviously you're going to reduce the headcount and you could ship new things faster and you know potentially that that makes you a little bit more money but i think we're all about to see it though because this is sort of like armchair product management our armchair ceo it's like i believe this is why i believe i believe and I know this is in popular opinion like Twitter has had a lot of smart people managing it. They've had multiple CEOs. They've had a lot of different VPs of product. They've had a lot of different people come in and out. And it's like, I think those people were smart. I think those people probably thought along the same lines. But when you get in there, right, and you're like, and you got to really do it, as we often find, the status quo is really, really hard. And so we're about to see. Everybody thinks, you know, Elon Musk, because he has taken it private and he has kind of un, a unique ability to kind of just do what he wants. But I still think the status quo is so strong Maybe, that it would be yeah. difficult for for him uh, to make radical changes. And we may find out that, like, hey, once the, it's kind of like cement. Once it's kind of cemented in, right, 
it's it's not changing really really much because it's like okay you have the company leaves like are you left with just a simple thing it's like who who are you keeping and are, what do those people want to work on right you still got to get 2500 people all going in the one direction to build something right and it's like that's that's not an easy task well, you know, I'm, I'm giving a talk tomorrow at, uh, I think it's a Romanian conference, uh, Peak IT, going over the work that my friend uh, Mark Zotner and I did on the Legacy Trap book, mm-hmm. uh, you know, modernizing your enterprise yeah. giant portfolio. It's good stuff. You know, if you want to get a copy, you can go to tanzutalk.com slash videos, <laughs> and there's a link to get to it. Maybe we'll put one in the show notes. It's a great report. I, I wrote it with my, my friend. Uh, but... I'm realizing we put a when we do a revision, we need to have a last chapter where there are there's seven R's. I think we came up with seven R's. You know, I think Richard Watson and some other people, uh, R seven baby, yeah, came up mm-hmm. with five. And you know, you add more and more, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes you combine together, rewrite and refactor if you're not like a super annoying pedantic nerd who wants to talk about the difference between those two. But we need to add in another one, which is go private. <laughs> and and I think the reason is, as you were pointing out, like. I bet you're, I mean, I bet there are many things you would want that seem, that seem like 15 minutes of coding that you would do at Twitter. And then the goddamn SRE people come into the room. Yeah. And they're just like, they're just like well, okay, I'm going to go up to the whiteboard and you realize this and you realize that and you realize this. And then all of a sudden what you're looking at is like, uh, basically, I bet they get to the point where they're like, so we're going to have to have 48 hours of downtime. And then, and then the, the business people are like, well, what if we allow people to read Atlantic articles for free instead if they pay us $5 a month? Yeah. And, and, then, and then you're after that. And then so maybe you go private and they're like, we're going to have to take it down for 48 hours. And they're like, do it. Yeah. Just like, no, you're totally right. The, the potential to do it. But like, I think that's why that the range of outcomes around is like, maybe they take it down and they come back with the greatest thing we've ever thought. And we're like, this is exactly yeah. what I want. Or they take it down and they learn like, oh, wait a minute. It turns out they can't get it back up. Exactly. It turns out like we broke some some key things, and like anyone who's worked on like systems that are order of, of orders of magnitude smaller than this, like you've seen a small change break like the entire thing, and then like you know take a long time to figure it out. So, so I don't, you know, I mean, like everyone else, like we're just gonna watch. We're gonna watch and see what happens. Maybe maybe they could also. Uh like uh in return for not having to make the interest payments on the loans they could like give some of those banks like you know some blue check marks or some more followers <laughs> that's right something Can I, like that. hopefully matt Le- uh levine will start writing about uh commodities built on blue check marks that will be it, we'll know we've crossed over officially when it, he it, it into his uh money newsletter it, it'll be like the infamous uh youtube album on ipods where they'll be like <laughs> All right, how about this quarter? We don't have to do the interest payments if everyone follows you now. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I mean, can you put a value on that, Brandon? I don't, think, I don't think there's there's no ROI. Let's just skip this this quarter's interest at rates, no problem. Well, speaking of skipping this quarter's interest rates, uh, do we have any bureaucracy? We do. Just a couple of things here. I uh, sent some stickers to Kent in Turkey. So that's, I think, the first time I sent something to Turkey. So good to hear from him. And I also sent, uh, I think it's uh, Dravko. I hope I did my best on that name. And I sent him some stickers. He's here in the, in the U.S. out in Georgia. So if you would like some stickers, all you have to do is email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. And this week, uh, I want to thank Craig. He joined the Slack uh, as well, and a few other people. So, if you want to join our Slack, just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, click on the Slack button there, and you can just register yourself. You'll be in there. 
looking at all the topics that we're going to talk about and all the other channels we have going. Good uh, active week in Slack it was fun. There's lots of different things. So if you're interested, you need uh, uh, another community to interact with. Check out our Slack. Well, there's there's several conferences coming up. Uh, there's going to be the all day DevOps. I, I should have applied to uh, to speak at that. That that would have been fun. That's November 10th, and also I think tickets went on sale for that conference. Uh, if if I remember, and that's, that's going right, to be yep. January fifteenth and eighteenth in Round Rock. Still, you can get five percent off uh, if you use the code SDT, which which is a pretty good deal there. And then Cloud Native Security Con North America is in Seattle, February first to second. And I just happened to come across a whole big list of product management oriented conferences uh, that I need to go look at. And you know, I ask this every now and then, but I'm always looking for conferences to go speak at, uh, and I find it very hard since I don't program or, 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 you know, code YAML to find conferences that would take my kind of stuff. So anytime <laughs> someone uh, has some ideas of like conferences that I would be interested in to speak at, I'm always interested in, in, uh, in hearing about that. And then speaking of, I mentioned this already, but, uh, if you, you can actually, uh, I think you can still register for free to see the talk that I have tomorrow. Uh, if you go to peakit.ro. Uh, you can find uh, the event there. And I'm going to be going over the uh, the modernization work, the legacy trap stuff that I had. Uh, kind of late tomorrow for me, but you should check that talk out. Uh, and with that, what's your recommendation this week, Brandon? All right. So uh, a couple things I wanted to touch on. One was uh, I would like everyone, hopefully everyone enjoyed the episode Matt and I did about uh, kind of KubeCom and uh, you know, Matt's uh, adventures there in Detroit. Uh, also, the Cloudcast did a really good episode uh, reviewing uh, KubeCon. So if you didn't really go to the con- uh, conference or you did go to the conference and kind of want to hear like their perspective, our perspective, you know, check out both those podcasts. It's always fun to like, after you've recorded a podcast on the subject, I like to you go listen to other people to see like, oh, like what takes did they have? So you should check out the Cloudcast. We always appreciate um, them mentioning us. And I think uh, Aaron and Brian do a really good job. And then uh, I wanted to go ahead and I don't know if this is a recommendation or this is just more a thank you. I want to thank so- Southwest, excuse me. I want to thank Southwest Airlines, the lost and found department specifically. So long story short, my son left his iPad on uh, a plane. Uh, We kind of just figured it was gone, but there is a nice uh, online service. You can go through, basically say what you lost. They even asked for a few digits of the serial number. Sure enough, they found us, found it. They called us from Alabama uh, and they said, you know, we have to, we verified that we owned it. We gave them the code. We told them what the picture was and they were like, yep, it's yours. So we sent them some money and they sent it to us. So it's great to get, you know, it's, this is a parent. It's almost like found gold. You're like, I got the thing back that I thought I was going to have to replace. Now, of course it raises an ultimate parenting question. We won't answer today, but it's always like, you know, you want your children to feel responsible for the things that they have um, and to make sure that they care, take care of them. But at the same time, you want to realize that like mistakes do happen. Things get lost. And that, you know, we, you shouldn't, if you will, um, you know, it, like we talked about in the show before, like a lot of inside chatter, like you don't want to like just be, you know, hey, I made this mistake and it's a lot of self-punishing because like, hey, mistake happens and we want to like, you know, have some resilience and move on from it, right? It's not the end of the world, right? So I always find this is a difficult moment as a parent, right? Because I, yeah, you know, I wanna, one instance, you want to make sure that they really felt like they lost something valuable. It's the same thing. You don't want them to like turn on it. So I don't know. I don't know if I did a good job between, you know, making sure that there was like, hey, that was your responsibility versus like mistakes happen. Let's all move on. But in the end, we got the iPad yeah, back yeah. and I'll be left with that parenting question for the next, I don't know, probably 30 or 40 years. 
this this well there's two things one this reminds me i was thinking the other day you know i've i've actually used the uh, apple tags to find lost keys around the house are they ever my keys i will leave the answer to that as an exercise to the listener uh and um like i was realizing i bet an airport and maybe bus station like luggage things there's just a constant sound of air tags beeping like it must just be constantly going off i mean you got to imagine there's always one happening there uh which which whatever and and then too i i struggled with your your parenting quandary just this morning in a very dramatic way which i won't really recount and it is uh you know i i i eventually went down the being the nice person instead of the uh, learn from consequences and i think maybe you're making me think the principle is that like you you you've got to think you can't learn from a mistake if it makes you hate like, it, like you're not going to, if something like makes you so upset and you're going to be like very full of anger and hate and like, you just like, you're not going to like process that like, oh, right, that was my fault. And not even that it was my fault. It's something that I can prevent from happening again. Versus if you're just like, you know, you know, when I get in a depressed mood, I'm just like, well, basically just everything is going to go to shit and collapse, <laughs> right? And like in moments like that, uh, one doesn't really like have a growth perspective on how they can become better in life. So you've got to be like, well, I think maybe you answered it. Like you want someone to show discomfort, discomfort, but not depression, right? You know, it's yes. like being a little uncomfortable that you made a mistake is fine. If it lends itself into that next state, it's like, maybe that's the point where you say, Hey, things happen. Life happens. It'll be replaced. Right. So, especially, I mean, I mean, it's one thing like, like someone in the family, uh, destroyed a, uh, a an Internet of Things light switch a while ago, and so and so we were like, oh, you got to pay for that. And it was only twenty euros, right? Not a big deal. However, if you know someone like destroyed like an eight hundred euro like iPad or laptop, and we said you got to pay for it, like we we wouldn't be finished paying that off till they were like twenty two. Yeah, it'd be like, a lot. There, there's just, a little bit too just, big. There's mm-hmm. no way to bring that revenue in and learn from it. So you gotta <laughs> you gotta do something different for sure. Yeah. Well, anyways, my my recommendation is uh, I'm sure I've recommended it before, but like I I went and checked out the old micro blog micro blog again, and uh, you know you know how everyone knows, uh, especially you, Brandon. Every year I switch up how I do this stuff, uh, just just to just to keep people on their toes. I know it's especially good because uh, I know that Jordy will be looking for some article that I wrote two years ago, and he's gonna he sent, contact me and be like, "Where's this article?" You keep changing your stuff around. I go to these URLs and I can never find it, which is, it's always fun to know that you're read and, and desired uh, as far as the content that you have. But I, I, I was thinking uh, that I, I would move my blog over to it, right? Because, and, and that's what I'm in the middle of doing. And, and it involves my other favorite thing, DNS, right? I'm not sure why I can't just go somewhere and click on something that says, now I want this domain to go to <laughs> micro.blog. It all is name record, yep. Yeah, you know, I think Fireside has had the best way of doing this. And I imagine it's because Dan over there is like, I am fucking sick and tired of answering these emails. And so he just is, writes down every single thing. But like Manton over there doesn't quite have the best uh, directions. Uh, and so like, hopefully it'll work. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> anyways. But, you know, also, it had, the other thing, uh, it's just like I've been using WordPress for a while, and they have this new block editor thing. And I, and I was reflecting as I was thinking about this that it's just like I don't enjoy the experience of going to WordPress to publish anything. 
and and consequently i don't really ever do it whereas like with with microblog it's fast it's really quick fast and easy yeah yeah it works out fine everything's cool and it looks good like i don't have to think about it so uh there's that and then also if you're like all upset about all this twitter stuff and you're interested in mastodon like if uh you can if you pay i th- i forget if it's i think the 5 dollar a month tier but you can totally get set up to base basically have a mastodon setup which means you've got like i don't really understand i mean I get the idea of Mastodon. I don't understand all the exact technical things, but you basically just get like an email address, except there's an at sign at the beginning of it. And uh, then that's your Mastodon ID and you give that to people and then they can read it. It's just, it's really straightforward. So you can get set up with that. You can also subscribe to other people's stuff so you can read it in there. It seems cool. So, you know, you should check that out. If you, if like me, you like to always change these things around and, and put it around a bit. It's a, it's a good service. Now, speaking of good services, Hopefully you've enjoyed the service we've provided for you here at Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, there's all sorts of things much more meaty. Well, I wouldn't say much more meaty, but of a different type of meatiness than, than what we've talked about. You can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com uh, slash 385 and uh, find the show notes for that. All sorts of things we mentioned, uh, you know, go, go look at that, look at that. And we've also mentioned the, uh, the great Slack uh, conversations that we have that has been going well. If you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can find the Slack link. I'm thinking we might need to move that to Discord at some point, Brandon. I don't know if... if uh, yeah, we'll if, look into it. That could be a little bit of work. And, can, it, and I was just going to say, Kote, before we close out completely here, I just want to say a lot is, a lot has happened in, uh, on this recording today that people are not going to hear. So if you want to see a lot of behind the scenes, this will be the most behind the scenes video <laughs> we've ever done. You should go to the YouTube and watch it because there are going to be several long segments that will not make the, uh, the edits. So, uh, so, <laughs> so that's my, my push for the YouTube more than ever. We had a, I'll just say this. We had a guest, we had an actual guest, uh, in the middle, uh, unprompted. So if you want to see who it was, you should watch the video. And, and, I, and I think you did a, a blameless postmortem. Uh, we did. On, we did a blameless. It. Okay, that, that's going to be in on the video. So and I am, ar- I am already reflecting on changes I can make in the system. Yeah, so there's a lot, a lot happened in this episode. Here. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah but you, you got to check that out on YouTube. Did, have, you, have you registered for the handle in YouTube yet, Brandon? We did. We got the okay. notice, notification the other day. I, and I hope we got uh, a good we, one. we've got it reserved. So we, we got software to find talk. Surprisingly, yeah. no one had taken that. So yeah. Well, and then as, I, I got my personal handle too, which is even better. So. As no one will be shocked to know, I could not get Kote. Mm. So I, right. I, I thought for about five minutes and, and my handle is going to be, depending on how you want to say it, it's either Mr. Kote or Mr. Kote. And, and I think that's <laughs> funny. A lot of people may not know that, know this, but my middle name is Richard. And so that actually... Whether it's Mr. Cote or just my my name, as the Dutch would uh, would do it, uh, I, I got that. Definitely not Hair Cote, but uh, <laughs> definitely Mr. Cote. Well, with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. Okay. Well, we just did a, a blameless postmortem. I was just teaching Cormac about that, and of course, the most important thing about a blameless postmortem is we've came up with the person to blame right away. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, not surprisingly, it was you. You were yes. the person that was the blame. I asked, like, well, is there anybody? <laughs> Could Alejandro have, like, known what the lock was? Maybe she didn't use the lock. Oh, yeah. None of that. He didn't have any of that. He was like, nope. Nope. He didn't know the lock combination either. So uh, the team has uh, 100% uh, agreed it's your fault. We've got lots of bonus content for this episode, Brandon.